0: This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Now, I don't know about you, I've got a lot of friends who were really into God. And for all sorts of reasons, they're just not anymore. For some, that goes back a long way. So I got to thinking really about the basics. What, what happens, what comes into someone's mind when I'm talking to someone about God or belief? or what we do about it. What are we thinking about? What does that mean to us? For me, I was brought up around believers in a church community. It was very loving, it was very well-meaning. It also came with a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff that we'd have to do to be acceptable and to fit in. I remember uh, church masses, they were super regulated You had to just be there at the right time. You had to stand up at the right time and sit down at the right time and kneel, get up, turn around, sing sing together, say things together, pray, set words together. There was a lot. Now, I don't think that was all bad. Um, In fact, I think there was a lot of good in it, to be honest. Um, But it did train us in something. It trained us that impressive things could happen when we do things together. It's lovely. But also, it trained us out of thinking that this was a place to play. So, did I really get what God was like through that? I don't think I did. And I'm not blaming the church, because a lot of that was my fault. One of the songs we used to sing was called Suffer Little Children. Teachers just loved announcing that one, you can imagine. Turn to hymn number 263, Suffer little children. (laughs) And, And under this giant statue of Jesus on the cross, we would sing a quote from Jesus, Suffer little children to come unto me. And that seemed to make sense. We'd been told the story that Jesus suffered because of our sin, uh, because I guess we were really bad. So we should suffer. That seems sort of fair. And I think the story I remember was that Jesus overcame the suffering so that we could too. And we'd go through all this stuff together. And we'd follow Jesus. And we'd all become good people. Now, it took me a little while to realize, actually, quite a long time to realize, I don't think that's really the gospel. It took me years to work out why that song had a weird word in it. It goes, suffer little children to come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying a lot of people didn't know it, so sorry, it's okay. Um, who, this confused me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who's Jesus talking to? Is he saying this to children? Suffer little children to come unto me, and then turning to someone else for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No, it never meant that. I can't, I can't remember when I realized this, but I know it took a while. Jesus was saying suffer as in allow. Let little children come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh yeah, that's sensible. Less fun to announce, but, but more accurate. It's a story from the gospels. It's a very short story the way Matthew tells it in chapter 9 verse 13 if you want to look it up it goes like this then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them but the disciples rebuked them Jesus said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these well, what's going on there this is a kind of blink or you miss it kind of story. Maybe we have missed it before or just took it in thinking it means do some kids' church. Is that it? No, I think there's a bit more to it. And I, and I wonder if we can uncover that. Can we find something that our friends need or that we need to reconnect with God? Let's have a look. The society that Jesus was born into was very religious people believed in God or gods that wasn't really a question the big debates came up about how do you get on with God what do you do with that what does God want from us what do we need to do to please God and have God bless us people had forever believed that bad things would happen if they got on the wrong side of God and so how do you get on the right side of God That was the basis for religion, doing religious things, religiously. Working all that out, very grown-up concern, very serious, because there's a lot to understand. The people of God had hundreds of laws and commands that they took to be from God, and so people did their best to take them to heart. Some people would physically wrap them around their hands or around their heads, literally, living out a picture that's in the Old Testament to take the law seriously. And even the simplest sounding rules like do no work on one special day a week had so many interpretations. What's work? Is it my job? Or, so, or, or everything? Uh, am I allowed to carry things? Yes. Or how much, though, before it's work? Well, let's talk about that. Am I allowed to go for a walk? Yes. How far? Well, that's debatable. So those things needed endless analysis and debate with serious scholars. People believed it was what made them special and holy and acceptable to God. Naturally, the law said the penalty just for breaking that law about keeping the Sabbath holy was death. So obviously people took it seriously. On top of that, we haven't got time to go into all the rules about religious structures that kept people separate from God's presence. There was an understanding that people and God had to be kept separate. God would live in a special place, in a special building, with very limited access. Otherwise, you would die. Now, I think it's worth asking some questions about this that I am not going to answer. What do you think, though? Was religion like this always God's plan for people? Does it make sense from God's point of view? Or does it make more sense from people's point of view? We're trying to make sense of God and life together by doing this stuff. Give us some stuff to do together so we can be a people who know who we are. Now I'm not saying that religion has to be man-made, but it could have been God's answer to the only questions that people were asking. What does it mean? To be close to God. How do we get close to God? Was that meant to be permanent? Or just until something better came along? I'm not going to answer that. But maybe you might want to have a think or pray, or chat with friends. And if you get stuck, have a look in the direction. Always a good idea. Have a look in the direction of Jesus. I think people followed Jesus, because they could see something very special in him. They didn't even know what it was. But he seemed blessed and gifted and full of God's spirit. He was able to heal. He was able to change things. Maybe he could even fix all their problems. For the people who paid attention at the time of God's prophets, maybe Jesus was the saviour that God had promised. They could hope. What I think Jesus' followers imagined would be that that he could answer all their really grown-up questions and fix all their really serious issues. Jesus maybe could perfect their religion, perfect their law, maybe even perfect their training so they could get so good at religious life and so pure and so holy that would make them free from sin and suffering. So if you were going to get close to that, how good would you have to be? How much would you have to do? I think this is part of why Jesus saying, let little children come to me, is so shocking, actually. Shocking and amazing. Grown-ups earned their acceptance from teachers and religious leaders. Little children didn't. They couldn't. (laughs) What they'd done. Grown-ups, could weigh and process the law and debate it all day. Little children couldn't. Grown-ups could learn to manage all the burdens of religion, all the procedures to follow, all the amounts to sacrifice, all that hard stuff. Little children couldn't. So what was Jesus saying when he said, let little children come to him? Was he just being nice? Was he just telling their parents to add a had a kid's room to all their other ministries and things they had going on. No, I think Jesus was showing us who he was and who God really is and what God really wants. And that happens to turn religion on its head. If you thought you had to do all this stuff to earn a place with God and be loved and accepted, well, think again. These kids just want to come in. Okay, they've got it. Their parents just want to, want them to get blessed. Right? Let them in. Could it be that simple? You want God? You've got him. You want good things and blessings from God? Sure. Here they are. They're yours. You want to know that you're loved and accepted by God without having to go on courses and give all your stuff and live religiously? Yes, you are loved. You are accepted. Oh, but it can't be that easy, say the grown-ups. It has to be, says Jesus. Luke's version of the story, coming to Jesus, adds this bit. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. He's talking to us. Now, I wonder if I might have misunderstood this in the past, the same way I misunderstood suffer little children. What does it mean, receive the kingdom of God like a little child? Does it mean, I think I thought this for years, does it mean like like a good, well-trained, religious little child, who does everything they're told and earns their place? What did Jesus just mean? Like a little child, I think my perspective on this has changed as a parent. Um, yesterday, when I maybe should have been getting more pictures and nice bits to put on the screen for this talk, I got caught up in playing with my little child. Um, it's joy. We played. Uh, we played Fall Guys. We played uh, Geometry Dash, and I'm really glad we did because it reminded me how receiving things like a child is really different from how we process things like grown-ups. And you can probably think of loads of ways that's true for you. Here are some that strike me. As, as grown-ups, I think we always fuss about what we have to do to earn things. Children, and especially very little children, don't. They can't. They can't earn their food. The clothes, the place in our families. They get them because of who they are. And they keep getting them because hopefully we love them. I wonder if Jesus knew that we'd been spending all this time looking at God in terms of grown-up concerns, stuff we have to do, things we have to earn. But if the kingdom of God that Jesus showed people has to be accessed like a little child, Well, maybe it's all about stuff that children can get, like love, that they don't earn. This is what I believe. God loves us, and we can't earn that. He just does. As grown-ups, though, we still have to get really serious. Religions and laws, they make sense to us, because they give us sensible-looking structures and rules and serious-looking consequences for breaking them. Children, I think they just prefer playing, to be honest, don't they? Pick things up, play with them, learn from experience. I remember being told to look at the Bible like it's an instruction manual. But I think Jesus might be saying there's also a way to approach him and approach God where we can just be more playful, more childlike, more willing to learn by trying and seeing instead of studying and arguing. If Jesus was talking about how we perfect a religion, I don't, I don't know if that would work. But the law, you know, it's a serious business. You can't just play around with it. But what if the main thing about God's kingdom isn't law first, but love First. Could it be that Jesus shows us and shares love from God that's just so powerful, we cannot know what it can do until we experience it, until we live it, until we pick it up and play with it, until we practise sharing it ourselves? We just have to try that out. So take a serious grown-up law, like what people ought to do when someone hurts them, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth," said the law. It was importantly, it was trying to limit people's overreacting when they got wronged and just give out a just punishment. Very sensible, very serious business, measuring it and getting it right. But Jesus comes along with this crazy talk, this sort of silly, impossible-sounding things like forgiving people and Love your enemies. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're having a laugh. How can we love our enemies and bless people who curse us? I don't think we can in our own strength. Can you? As a law, it's impossible to police, let alone do. But I think if we had enough of God's love to share, well, who knows? We'll have to play with it and see, find out how that works. I believe it does. I'm still learning. And there's lots more to worry about as a grown-up. We worry about stuff, especially when we think we'll run out. We were super concerned last month about running out of money. It was pretty stressful. <laughs> and it meant sort of using our limited time uh, to chase after limited work, get some more, get some more cash in. But do you know who we didn't want to worry about all this? Our child. Why should they? And we didn't promise, we never promise him unlimited stuff and we don't feed him unlimited food. But we never want to offer him limited love. Would you? Of course not. I'm always amazed by how much kids who know they're loved are able to find creative ways to help other kids out when they're struggling. Last week, school had a kindness week. Everyone was given a limited amount of time to make something nice uh, for another class. The year fives, my son's year, were asked to make comics. And that was a pretty big ask, especially for Noah. He's brilliant at dancing, not so good at drawing. Um, he, He ran out of time. The whole class ran out of time for doing this in the end. But Noah and his friends, they did something else instead with what they had. They used their Friday lunchtime to hold a leaf party uh, for the year ones, and they got them involved with lots of fun and games, just playing with the only thing they could find lots of in the playground. Leaves! Why not? Um, How amazing is that? Religions, I think, are really good at focusing us on our limits, all the things that we shouldn't do, or maybe the things we should tell other people they shouldn't do, to keep on the right side of God. But Jesus rocks up like a child. He says, come along, come like a child. Bring your imagination, bring your sense of play. See what happens when you share love and you don't even worry about running out. That is the kingdom. Grown-ups, we still, we could take all this in, we still get obsessed over boundaries and borders. Cue picture of news that I didn't bring, but it's in your head already. You You know what I'm talking about. We get obsessed about boundaries and borders, partly because I think we worry about things running out. I guess the world's hard to deal with, isn't it? And whether we're consciously wanting to put up walls and keep invaders out, or whether we're unconsciously protecting ourselves from things like change that's hard to deal with, or people we don't understand, I think it's really easy to get into a state of us versus them in a difficult world. I know children, obviously, they get tribal as well, especially at the age when they're forming their sense of who they are. But I remember a time when I was a very little child, and I just didn't get that, and it confused me so much. My my friends at school all had favorite football teams, and weird reasons for picking them. Maybe they were local, or maybe they were just nice, they wore a nice color, and they won a lot. Uh, I picked Birmingham City, because they were local, and they wore blue. I like blue. Um, Birmingham didn't win a lot though, so I also picked Rangers to be my favorite Scottish team, because they wore blue and they did win a lot. It all made perfect sense to seven-year-old me, but when I tried explaining it to a grown-up, they were horrified, and they told me I got it all wrong. Don't you go to a Catholic school? Aren't you Catholic? Yes. Well, you can't support Rangers. You have to support Celtic. That's your team. No, it's not. I like Rangers. They're blue. But Celtic are Catholic and you're Catholic. And if you support Rangers, bad things will happen. Like what? Why? I was so con- I'm still confused about this. I mean, I don't know as a grown-up, I know what's going on there, but uh, um, from a religious point of view, I know it makes sense to have rules, especially even rules about your team. But what if you just like blue? The kingdom of God that Jesus describes—I don't believe it is for a tribe or a race or one special society. It's for everyone. Why? because God's love is for everyone. Actually, Jesus knew that kids would be able to get that much more easily than grown-ups because, well, look what happened. Jesus spent years showing his followers what God's love looked like, how it couldn't be contained among one group of believers because it's love, it's not religious rules. Jesus picked a leader for his movement that would spread this around the world. Who did he pick? He didn't pick a religiously trained man. He picked someone who was open to trusting him, open to learning from God. Someone I think probably he saw that came along in a like a little child sort of way. His name was Simon. He was so open to Jesus. He, he was open to Jesus giving him a new name. He said, you're going to be called Peter. And, and he was open to new challenges. He was open to lead God's followers, even after Jesus left in person, to return in spirit. And Jesus' spirit gave Peter this new vision of who the kingdom was for. Not just Israel. Not just religious rule followers. But everyone and without them having to follow the religious law. Read it up in the New Testament. It's there in the letters. It's there in Acts. is sent the grown-ups into a frenzy of arguments. And I think we're still having them today. We're still dealing with what that means. What does it mean to you, this idea that the gospel could be Jesus's invitation to everyone. What does it mean to me? Have I received it like a child? Am I really happy to accept God's love? That's bigger than I can understand. Or have I tried to get my head around it so much? Ah, I guess maybe in different ways I've ended up limiting it to what I can understand. I think, I need to spend more time playing. In my head, I believe that God's love is limitless. And that he'll give so much of it to share, it can be like, like a superpower. You can't make sense of superpowers. All you can do is try them out and see how they work. That's what I want, I want to feel like a little kid with a superpower to love. To love the way God loves me. Like he loves us. Like he loves the people who aren't here. Because at some point, (laughs) church is just too much. How do you feel about that? I want to be able to share this with my friends who turned away partly because church became a burden and a religion maybe for some people. And for other people, they were happy to press into it, but church wasn't happy to keep them on board because of who they loved, because of what love looked like. There's a bigger discussion to have there, and I think we're running out of time. Sorry about that. Um, but for right now I just want to, I want you every, everyone here, have a think. I want you to know that God loves you. And God could not love you anymore if you were super religious. <laughs> and He doesn't love you any less if you're not. What would it mean if you could accept that? today, just like a little child.